This evening we turn in God's holy word to the prophecy of Zephaniah. Zephaniah. Children know where that's found in the Bible? When you learn your books of the Bible, and you can find a passage in ten seconds, then you're doing well. Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi. The last books of the Old Testament. So this evening we read Zephaniah chapter 1. The word of the Lord which came unto Zephaniah the son of Cushi, the son of Gedaliah, the son of Amariah, the son of Hizkiah, in the days of Josiah the son of Ammon, king of Judah. I will utterly consume all things from off the land, saith the Lord. I will consume man and beast. I will consume the fowls of the heaven and the fishes of the sea and the stumbling blocks with the wicked. And I will cut off man from off the land, saith the Lord. I will also stretch out mine hand upon Judah and upon all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and I will cut off the remnant of Baal from this place, and the, manner, and the name of the Kimmerim with the priests, and them that worship the host of heaven upon the housetops, and them that worship and that swear by the Lord, and that swear by Malcolm, and them that are turned back from the Lord, and those that have not sought the Lord nor inquired for Him. Hold thy peace at the presence of the Lord God. For the day of the Lord is at hand, for the Lord hath prepared a sacrifice. He hath bid his guests, and it shall come to pass in the day of the Lord's sacrifice that I will punish the princes and the king's children and all such as are clothed with strange apparel. In the same day also will I punish all those that leap on the threshold which fill their masters' houses with violence and deceit. And it shall come to pass in that day, saith the Lord, that there shall be the noise of a cry from the fish gate, and a howling from the second, and a great crashing from the hills. Howl, ye inhabitants of Maktish! For all the merchant people are cut down, all they that bear silver are cut off, And it shall come to pass at that time that I will search Jerusalem with candles and punish the men that are settled on their lees that say in their heart, the Lord will not do good, neither will he do evil. Therefore their good shall become a booty and their houses a desolation. They shall also build houses, but not inhabit them. And they shall plant vineyards, but not drink the wine thereof. The great day of the Lord is near. It is near and hasteth greatly. Even the voice of the day of the Lord. The mighty men shall cry there bitterly. That day is a day of wrath, a day of trouble and distress, a day of wasteness and desolation, a day of darkness and gloominess. A day of clouds and thick darkness. A day of the trumpet and alarm against the fenced cities and against the high towers. 
And I will bring distress upon men that they shall walk like blind men, because they have sinned against the Lord. And their blood shall be poured out as dust, and their flesh as the dung. Neither their silver nor their gold shall be able to deliver them in the day of the Lord's wrath. But the whole land shall be devoured by the fire of His jealousy. For He shall make even a speedy riddance of all them that dwell in the land. As we consider the importance and necessity of self-examination and preparation for the Lord's Supper next Sunday morning, I call your attention to Zephaniah 1 verse 12. And it shall come to pass at that time that I will search Jerusalem with candles and punish the men that are settled on their leaves that say in their heart, the Lord will not do good, neither will He do evil. Beloved in the Lord Jesus Christ, the text speaks of Jehovah God searching Jerusalem with candles. The Holy One of Israel shining His light into every corner, exposing all that is wrought in darkness, uncovering the sins and iniquities of those who claim to be His people. That's how He reveals Himself to us in the words of the text we consider this evening. As we learn in 2 Kings chapter 22, these were terrible times in the nation of Israel, the church of the living God in the world. They were times not unlike the times in which we live. The condition of Israel was very much like the condition of the broader church today. Much of the nation had already been lost. The apostasy of the ten tribes, their departure from the Word of God and His precepts had brought God's wrath upon them and scattered them among the nation. They were no longer the ten tribes. They'd been swallowed by the world. Only the kingdom of Judah remained. And that's the church to which Zephaniah prophesied. And also Judah had become a terrible mixture. On the one hand, the the context speaks of Josiah, the king in Judah, when Zephaniah was sent to speak the word of the Lord. And You children might remember from your studies in catechism, Bible history, that Josiah was a godly king in Judah. 2 Kings 22 tells us how Josiah attempted to bring reform in Judah, and he tried to cleanse the city of God from corruption and demolish the Baal worship that had had swept through the land. It was during the cleansing of the temple that they discovered the book of the law. The Word of God, which had been completely lost 
and was once again discovered, and that book was brought to King Josiah. King Josiah, upon hearing the reading of God's Word, repented with tears and immediately subjected himself and his kingdom to God. Josiah was a godly man. But we must not forget, there were also others like him in the land. It's always so in God's church on this earth. It may be in a given church setting that the situation is beyond repair. It's sometimes the case even that God-fearing Josiah are unable to affect church reformation. In fact, as history has shown again and again, where a church has forsaken its calling of exercising Christian discipline, reformation can only come by way of separation. That's how important is the exercise of faithful Christian discipline in the midst of the church. But you see, in the Old Testament setting of Judah and Jerusalem with its temple and and its economy of salvation and the sacrifices and the, the pictures that pointed to Christ, separation and affiliation with another denomination wasn't possible at that time. There, the people of God could only suffer and wait for the deliverance that would come in the coming of the Messiah. Today, things are different from that point of view, but I say again, we mustn't forget there was a remnant, according to the election of grace, that remained faithful in their hope for the coming Messiah. They're spoken of in chapter 3 as an afflicted and poor people, the remnant of Israel who yet seek the Lord and grieve the sin in the midst of the church. The reason Zephaniah is sent with the word of the Lord is for that remnant who sought the Lord and repented, grieving their sin. Although the words that he must speak are hard words of judgment, they speak salvation to the children of God. But at this stage in the history of Israel, of Judah, those faithful people were only a remnant. It's all that was left. The vast majority of those who called themselves the people of God had shown themselves abominable in God's sight. The cup of iniquity was just about full, and God was to execute His judgment. I will stretch out Mine hand upon Judah and upon all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, saith the Lord. And belonging to that judgment will be this, He will search Jerusalem with candles. Everything will be exposed. With that background before us and the calling to examine ourselves with a view to partaking properly the Lord's Supper next Sunday morning, 
I call your attention to this text under the theme, Jerusalem, search with candle. We notice, first of all, the search. Secondly, the ones searched out. And finally, what is accomplished by the search. God comes to search Jerusalem with candles, says the text. God is searching. And let's immediately understand, He's not searching for something He doesn't see. It's not that God has to search in order to find out something. He knows all things. He sees all things. Nothing escapes His all-searching eye. So in a rhetorical question, God asks through the prophet Jeremiah, in Jeremiah 23, verse 24, Can any hide himself in secret places that I shall not see him, saith the Lord? Do not I fill heaven and earth, saith the Lord? That first question demands a no for an answer. There is no one who can escape Jehovah's all-seeing eyes. And that's because the second rhetorical question expects a yes answer. God indeed fills heaven and earth. He's everywhere present. All-knowing, the omniscient God. The psalmist, in Psalm 44, verses 20 and 21, recognizes this same truth. If we have forgotten the name of our God or stretched out our hands to a strange God, Shall not God search this out? For He knoweth the secrets of the heart. Again, the prophet Jeremiah in the 17th chapter of his prophecy speaks the word of the Lord. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who shall know it? That's what God sees of man's heart. That's not hidden to him at all. And then we read this in verse 10 of that chapter, I, the Lord, search the heart. I try the reins even to give every man according to the fruit of his doing. So the point of the text before us is not that God has to search out what he doesn't see. He sees. He sees everything. He knows. But that God searches means He exposes and judges that which takes place before His all-seeing eye. God is always judging. He's judging me right now. As I bring you this Word, He's judging not only my words, but my heart. He's judging you right now. He searches you even to the thoughts and intents of the heart. He's judging your thought as you hear this word. 
He's judging your actions as you sit before Him. He's judging your heart right now. Nothing is escaping Him. And therefore, the reference to the Almighty, everywhere present Jehovah searching Jerusalem with candles means that He's judging His people and those that go by His name. He's judging them in order, in His appointed time, to expose them for what they are. The reference clearly points us to His justice. God surely rewards good with good and punishes evil with evil. He searches His people. He did so in the days of the prophet. He does so also today. Every minute of every day, the Lord God is searching Jerusalem. He's searching you and me. Furthermore, the text tells us Jehovah is searching with candles. That figure of the candles points us to two things. The first being the light of God's own being and glory. Think, for example, of His Word in 1 John 1 verse 5, God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. His holiness shines forth in spotless purity. That's the God before whom we stand. I will search, says He. He who is perfectly holy, who separates Himself from the impenitent and unholy, no one shall escape the light of His glory, His righteousness and holiness and truth. There are times, you see, when we are not living in the awareness of God's presence, aren't there? We can look at the example of Job. We find that very truth illustrated. In Job 29, verses 2-5, through Job lamented the fact that in his own experience, at that moment, it seemed that God was far from him. It was as if he was living in darkness. Indeed, he was living under the shadow of death, wasn't he? And therefore, Job cried out, as only a child of God will cry out, Job 29, verses 2 and following, Oh, that I were as in months past, as in the days when God preserved me, when His candle shined upon my head, and when by His light I walked through the darkness, as I was in the days of my youth, when the secret of God was upon my tabernacle, when the Almighty was yet with me. In the consciousness of Jehovah's presence, Job lived in the light. God's candle, as it were, the glory of His virtue, His fellowship, enlightened Job's life. When God appears, the light of His glory shines to the joy of His people in Christ. To those who are the objects of God's love, 
His appearance in all His glory shall be a tremendous event, even as we taste in small measure as we enter His presence in the sacrament of the Lord's Supper, the Lord willing, next Sunday morning. But to those who are the objects of His wrath, that appearance of God will be an appearance of terror. Indescribable terror. When God shall appear in the brilliance of His holiness, as the righteous judge, there will be no escape. And the proclamation of Zephaniah is exactly this word of the Lord. The day of the Lord is at hand. God is coming to judge in righteousness. But this figure of God coming and searching out Jerusalem with candles also speaks of something else as we interpret this passage in the light of Scripture. The candles not only speak of the presence of God, but they speak also of the way in which He comes throughout history. God searches Jerusalem with candles. He does so even now. In His candles, God shines brightly before us. God's glory shines before you in the light of His Word. We sang of it in Psalm 119, verse 105. Thy Word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Where the word lamp is the same word translated in our text, candle. The same truth is set forth in Proverbs 6, verse 23, for the commandment is a lamp, and the law is light, and reproofs of instruction are the way of life, where lamp, again, is the same word translated candle in our text, which means you who sit under the preaching of the Word, you who have heard the Word set forth even in the section that we read from the Lord's Supper form this evening, calling us to careful self-examination. You who sit under the faithful preaching of the Gospel Lord's Day after Lord's Day at the feet of your pastor, cannot escape the light of God's glory, the brilliance of His holiness. That Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. The candles of the living God and His light follow you into every nook and cranny of your existence, behind every closed door, even into the inner recesses of your heart and mind. It isn't the preacher trying to expose you. Another sinful man picking you out and exposing your sins, the living God shines His light upon you. He is searching. 
He is judging you. Where do you stand? Where are you? What are you? God will make that clear. Who are the ones searched out by Jehovah? Jerusalem is visited with candles, says Jehovah. Of course, Jerusalem, the church of the living God, is where His Word goes forth. Jerusalem. Not as it shall be seen in heaven, not the heavenly city of God, but the earthly, the church institute. As we see it here. That's the Jerusalem which God shall visit first in judgment. The inspired Peter writes of it too in 1 Peter 4, verses 17 and 18. For the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. And if it first begin at us, what shall the end be of them that obey not the gospel? And if the righteous scarcely be saved, where shall the ungodly and the sinner appear? Repeatedly, Scripture speaks of the tremendous responsibility that rests upon those who bear the name of Jehovah. The people of God who hear His Word, who partake of His sacrament, it shall be more tolerable in the day of judgment for Tyre and Sidon, for Sodom and Gomorrah, than for those who called themselves the people of God, but who refused to repent before the light of His candle. Jerusalem, where all the outward blessings of God's covenant are seen. Jerusalem, where the children are brought up in the sphere of the covenant, where the Word is preached, where God's precepts are clearly unfolded, where are the promises, where is the glory of God manifested and Christ is set forth? Jerusalem, the church, even here. But yes, Jerusalem, where there is a terrible mixture. God shall surely come and search Jerusalem with candles. And the emphasis of the prophecy, of this prophecy, is exactly this. God shall come for the purpose of exposing and cleansing His city which has been corrupted through and through. He shall come in judgment. The emphasis here is not on God's gathering of His people, although this is the way in which they must be gathered. Zion shall be redeemed with judgment and her converts with righteousness. That's the theme of Isaiah's prophecy. In Isaiah 1 verse 27, the elect remnant shall be saved as God separates the chaff from the wheat. But 
the emphasis here is exactly on God exposing the hypocrites by the light of His candle. He searches to bring vengeance upon all those who would desecrate His holy name. Jehovah of hosts, unchangeable in His holiness, shall come to punish the men that are settled on their lead, that say in their heart, the Lord will not do good, neither will He do evil. Woe to those who are settled on their lead. Now that's a picture, of course, and I must explain that for you boys and girls. Maybe some of you boys and girls like grape juice. I like good grape juice. You know, you get grape juice by pressing or squeezing, crushing the grapes, don't you? Just like you, you get orange juice from, from pressing the oranges. But you know, because many of you children have have pressed orange juice, you know that when you press or squeeze the oranges, and the same is true with grapes, you not only get juice, but you get those tiny solid pieces of matter that settle to the bottom of the jar or the glass. And we call those the dregs or the sediment. And that comes from the the pericarp, the fleshly part of the fruit. Well, those are the leaves. And in Zephaniah's time, when they made wine from the grapes, the fermented wine was left on the lees in order to acquire better flavor. But before the wine was used, it was poured through a straining cloth to free it from those dregs. So the wine was refined. Because you see, if you left the wine on the lees too long, it would be ruined. And Zephaniah, when he uses this picture, speaks of wine that had been left on the lees far too long. The term he uses for settled actually means the wine had thickened. It had turned into a bitter, undrinkable liquid that was half congealed, worthless, good for nothing but to be thrown out. God speaks of searching Jerusalem and exposing those who are settled on their lead. He has seen among His people those who have so settled in their pride and self-seeking outlook that the dregs of their own sinful flesh have completely obscured what might be referred to as the good wine of sanctification and obedience to the Lord. They have become hardened in their sin. The Word of God doesn't touch their hearts. 
They say that doesn't apply to me. The things of God are far from them. Their lives are found in their work, in their pleasure, in their self-seeking. They are filled with pride. Those whose lives are unpalatable to God. Unfit for His use. Ready to be poured out. God is judging them. Even now. Yes, God's candles are searching Jerusalem, His church, on this earth. For you see, all these things of which Zephaniah prophesied are typical and are repeated throughout the ages until Christ returns on the clouds of heaven in that great day of the Lord. You must understand that this text is the living Word of God also for our day as well as the days of Zephaniah. Because also today, there are those in the church who are settled on their leaves. Though they have a surface religion, they're congealed in the gel of iniquity. God is exposing them. He's finding out those who say in their hearts, the Lord will not do good, neither will He do evil. In other words, they live without God in their thought. God to them is a mere thought very far away. They live and speak in their homes and on the streets as if God will never find them out. After all, we can't see Him. And if we shut our ears to His Word, we can't hear Him either. It soon becomes easy just to forget all about Him. They leave the house of His worship. They drop His Word at the door. The Lord will not do good, neither will He do evil. He's silent. So it appears. It appears that way even to us sometimes. Who love Him, who walk in His ways, it appears sometimes that, that man has his own way and God is silent. Don't you find yourself thinking sometimes that the evildoer is getting away with something? Don't you sometimes... Almost want to take things into your own hands? Let's not delude ourselves. God is ever searching with candle. Those who are settled on their lees, those who are evildoers, even within the church, they're not getting away with anything. Psalm 50 explains but unto the wicked God saith. And understand, he's speaking to those in Israel. That becomes very clear. But unto the wicked God saith, what hast thou to do to declare my statute? Or that thou shouldst take my covenant in thy mouth, seeing thou hatest instruction 
and castest my words behind thee. These things hast thou done, and I kept silent. Thou thoughtest that I was altogether such an one as thyself, but I will reprove thee and set them in order before thine eyes. God shall expose it all. The word of the Lord shall find the men that are settled upon their lees. He shall judge them by His truth. He shall judge in righteousness. And according to His findings, He will either save or destroy completely. Those who are settled on their lees shall be exposed and condemned. Their sin shall be revealed as sin indeed and their damnation just. Before that, we have to wait for a while. It might seem that God is slow in fulfilling His promise. He's not slow. He's coming as fast as His counsel will unfold. But don't forget, even now His candles are shining into the recesses of your heart and mine. We stand before the searching God of Jerusalem. What does He see? What is He finding in your life and mine? Finally, beloved, let's understand what is accomplished by this searching. We've already touched on this. God is exposing all things and revealing His righteousness. He's accomplishing this even by the preaching of His Word. So we must in this connection go back to verse 7 for a moment. There we hear the Word of God, Hold thy peace at the presence of the Lord Jehovah. There's a contrast drawn out here. A contrast between those who keep silence at the consciousness of God's presence and those who refuse to hear Him and continue to speak their own words, make their own excuses, think their own evil thoughts. Where men refuse the authority of God's Word, they clamor against Him and against those who bring His Word. The rebellion of men and their evil pride is seen in the rejection of God's Word as it applies to their own lives. But with the Word that he brings, the prophet demands silence. And to be silent in the presence of God is to submit to God's authority. Zephaniah observed the same thing that we observe today. God's judgment is abhorred and despised as nothing. There are those even within the church who are brought the Word of God and it means nothing to them. 
If it touches their own lives and their own sin, they immediately reject it and point the finger elsewhere. So we continue to preach as did Zephaniah. Be silent. In the presence of God, hold your peace at the presence of the Lord Jehovah. Know Him before whom ye stand. And then know this, child of God, that we who are God's servants speak not for the purpose of terrifying you, but of reminding you that repentance is the way in which God leads His children in Christ into the enjoyment of God's favor. To be brought to your knees? To have your stubborn lips silenced by the appearance of the Holy One of Israel? Is to escape the day of God's wrath. But those who continue in their rebellion will be exposed and revealed without excuse in the day of God's wrath. The searching light of God shall make all things clear. And only those who are in Christ Jesus, those who sorrow for their sin, who live in hope, who walk in God's way, shall be delivered. And that's what we must see in ourselves as our Lord's Supper form told us, in the week that lies before us. We must see ourselves in Christ. Let's not forget the remnant that shall be found among this mixture in Jerusalem. God's search of Jerusalem is for the purpose, finally, of separating the wheat from the chaff the remnant from those who have rejected him. Not only in the days of Zephaniah was it so, it's so also today. The Lord has himself a people who trust in his name, to whom he has given faith in Christ Jesus. They live among the wicked, even until the last day. But we will not remain among the wicked forever, beloved. The time will come when this searching of God has been finished. The time when God's judgment shall be complete. And at that time, not only will all hypocrites be exposed, but the Lord will reveal what He saw in you and in me and in all who are His. He will open our hearts to all. And there shall be seen the face of Jesus. It shall be seen how God saved us in His only begotten Son. It wasn't that you and I earned a place as an object of His love, a member among the remnant, of those who served Him. 
God gave us to Christ. Sending His Son even to the death of the cross that we might be saved. And in Him, you and I, who are His, shall be judged perfectly innocent. You're not afraid to be searched out by Jehovah, are you? Oh yes, when searched out by His Word, even as you examine yourselves in this coming week, your sins are going to be exposed to you. You hear Him who sets His perfect law before you. That Word cuts right to our hearts. But you humble yourself before Him. Plead for His mercy. You rely upon Him who alone can save you. You submit to Him. To His Word. Holding your peace at the presence of the Lord Jehovah. And you expect from His Spirit all the strength you need to walk before Him in uprightness. Is that true of you? Then you also long for His coming. Jehovah. Searching Jerusalem with candles. So be it, Lord. Come quickly. Amen. Almighty God, the Holy One of Israel, our Father, for Jesus' sake, Having heard thy word once again, our consciences are reminded of the sins against which we must struggle constantly. Give us grace that we may be humbled by thy word, that we may not be as those that are settled on their lees, abominable in thy sight, but give us to stand before thee in Christ Jesus always and to daily exercise ourselves in a life of gratitude to Thee as we watch for the coming day of the Lord. And grant that so we may approach Thee in the sacrament of the Lord's Supper next Sunday. For we approach Thee in Him who alone could save us. Amen.